straight off the bat, off the rip with, I just wanted to address you guys personally before we even start this podcast on a serious note. Like, this is a serious matter. And obviously, you can tell it's not. Welcome back. What's good, my people? Hey, you talking about I'm back in the building. You back in the building. We back in the building. I'm going too fast, but hi. Welcome back. Mind Believe Podcast. The kid. Norris Odiase, say, I'm so excited. Obviously, you can tell I'm going too far, going too fast. There's no such thing. Welcome back, though. You look good. I'm telling you, you you get better with age. You like wine, fine wine in the sun. Hey, I'm about to rap to you. I'm telling you, you doing your job, son, fella. You out there grinding, putting food on your table. Come on, man. Come on, King. (laughs) Come on, King. You deserve a clap, Queen. You deserve a clap. You better strut with your head high. I forgot my train of thought. But quick shout out. Tag BO2020 says, number 13, steps to declutter your, declutter? Am I good? Steps to declutter your messy mind is why I love mind bullying. Norrence's honesty, vulnerability, along with his execution is why I listen to this podcast. I can share the link to other young athletes and students and adults. He did not say that. He said adult and athletes. I just wanted to color it so I don't stutter. But can't wait to see where this journey takes him. Five stars. And he says, this is it. Well, my man, tag BO2020. I know that's not your name, but that's your at name. Thank you so much. You are it. I really appreciate anybody and everybody who takes the time to leave a review and to comment and rate and hit me up on the socials at MindBillyPod, at MindBillyPodcast. I'm honestly so thankful and grateful to be at the helm of this thing and pouring and just getting out great stories and content for you guys. So thank you for that. Keep leaving reviews. I greatly appreciate it. Let's get into this episode. Guys, before I get into this introduction, I just want to be frank and say this guest This person joining me on this podcast today is someone with such an inspiring story and a positive attitude. I do these podcasts with so many great guests, but hers, it honestly touched me in a way that I had to stop regular protocol and say, man, I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this conversation. I have had the pleasure of speaking to Miss Tihana, took the time in Croatia, seven years. I said seven years. Am I good? Seven hours ahead. She did this interview late at night, almost midnight. I appreciate it so much. Let's get into the intro before the episode. This week's guest, Tihana Stosavlovich. She's a professional basketball player, an illustrator, and a future diplomat. She joins the show to share her story as an international student traveling to the U.S. From Croatia to Maine to Texas to Virginia, Tiana shares the challenges she faced in following each of her passions. Yes, plural, passions. From basketball to graphic design to public policy and international affairs, she reveals the sacrifices she made along the way, as well as her journey in overcoming imposter syndrome. In this episode, Tiana shares how she's able to stretch herself with a mindset focused not on achievement, but on self-improvement, self-love, and self-determination. So excited for this episode. She's so passionate and she's charged and she's ready to go. I'm, I'm lit. Let's get it. I hope you enjoy this episode. The reason why for you, honestly, I got you is because I always like on IG, I see you. 
posts and I see, obviously we've had some relation in, in the past and I see your IG and I see the stuff. I'm like, I like her story. I like this girl. It's always those people I peep from afar. I'm like, there's something about this person that I would love like them to share their story and everything that they came from and everything that they've been to and done and things in their life. So no, that's why I asked you for this podcast. But if you don't know, if you never listened to the podcast, I literally just do this, talk it up and go, Oh, <laughs> okay. oh my God. Welcome to the Mind Bully Podcast. Tihana, mm-hmm. how are you today? Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really honored for everything you said because, you know, it's like, I really appreciate like everything, like whenever someone says something like that. Um, yeah, I'm doing good. I just like came back to Croatia and I'm getting used to like life back in Europe because it's like super different than the United States. And thank you for saying that about my Instagram. But I like always <laughs> like to say like life is so different in reality than what it is like on social media, even though like we only put our highlights, like there's so much more to like myself and my entire story than just, you know, like the pictures that we put up. I'm like battling myself because I often want to delete it. But, you know, I keep it on. So really thank you yeah well i'm glad you're here to share and kind of reveal the the untold stories that you have (laughs) if you were to take me back though how i start these episodes and i talk with Mm -hmm. my guests i think childhood is it gives somebody a real picture and a broad view of who this person is and how they move the way they move it's a real foundational question so if you take me back to that little girl in Slavonsky, bro. How, how you say it? Slo- That's Slavonsky, so amazing bro. that you like researched that. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Yeah. What was, what was that? Li- yeah. She said kind of. No, wait, wait, wait. Before we keep going. Teach okay. me how to say it the right way. I want to come correct. It's um, Slavonsky Brod. Slavonsky Brod. Yeah, that's like really good. That's good. Yeah. Here we go. Take me back to that little girl. What was that little girl like? Uh, Well, I like there's so much more like to me, but I don't even know where to start. Like when I started like with basketball, if that's like the aspect that you want to know about, like I was always a person who is very different than the rest of it or like everyone else. Like, for example, in kindergarten, people would be like kids would be playing and I would be sitting (laughs) at a separate desk, like drawing. And I would always get in trouble because I used to draw and paint on everything I saw. Um, so I would get in trouble because of that. Now, now it's like everyone loves it and everyone's like, yeah, she paints and she draws. But back then I used to like, we had white walls in my house and I would just get my first fresh set of like acrylics or something. And I would just like paint all over the house. So that used to be like such an issue, but now it's like fine. And it's actually undesired. Wait, why was it an issue? Like, what would your parents say? Like, it was like fresh painted house and I would just like take my colors and paint all over it. Or we would have like <laughs> white table and chairs and I would just like take my, in Croatia we say flamaster, that's like, you know, like a Sharpie. And I would make it so beautiful in my eyes, but actually it's just, you know, <laughs> like it's a mess. Yeah. So that's like how I grew up. I was really like a troublesome kid, I would say. Like to someone, it's like a joke, but you know, my parents were like, what the heck is she doing? Um, and then I used to play, like I used to dance ballet for so long. I used to be like a dancer, but then I grew to six two, and my dad was like, yeah, this is an opportunity for her to be a basketball player. Cause you know, that's how old dads are. 
so he put me into basketball and then I kind of fell in love with it, even though I was like so uncoordinated at first because I was so tall and I worked really hard. I fell in love with the sport and I was like, yeah, like I'm actually going to practice three times a day and I have my private life, even though I'm a teenager. And then I got to national team and then like to starting lineup and then I got recruited by colleges and yeah, that's kind that's of like- fire. If if we were to unpack that, I, I, I'll talk about the, the all-star basketball player, the striver came to the States that, but take me back to that little girl, that creative one. Yeah. What were you painting? What were you drawing? You were obviously mm-hmm. seeing something in your head that you wanted to put on everywhere. You yeah. wanted to <laughs> imagine or draw out the life that you were imagining in your head. If you can take me to those moments, what were you trying to visualize to put mm-hmm. out to the world? Yeah. So I like, even now I find like my old drawings and they're mostly like fashion illustrations. Like I love like fashion and design. So I would sit down and I would just paint figures like of like girls and women and even men just like in suits. And, you know, they would be like, kind of like if you look at like bat, like if you look at Dior's like illustrations, like it would be like a silhouette of a woman and she would be like really fashionable or some kind of designs like patterns and stuff that I would put on if I had my own little, you know, like, I often like now I look at plates and stuff and design like interior design. So I would just create my own little thing that I wanted to be like, I wanted it to be everywhere, you know? So yeah, I wanted to be like a painter of, or fashion designer or something like yeah, that. Yeah. When so. you're doing something like that, right. Is there people in your background encouraging you? Like if you could remember somebody that said something, yeah. if I remember basketball, I picked it up. I loved it. I can remember my dad say, you're great. You're going to be great. Can you, wow recognize people in your life that said something then that still holds true to today. Like you remember they, they pushed me in that type of way. If there's any of that for you, can you take me to those moments? Mm -hmm. Well, I used to have like an art teacher and that's why I think like teachers are so powerful because in my middle school, um, I would get in fights with guys. (laughs) Really bad kid. Um, like people don't remember it, but it's all in my head still. I'm like, you think I was a good kid? I really don't think so. Wait, fights for what? What were you fighting? Like I was just, I would take that. Like everything for me was like, like my value was in what type of colors and pencils you have. So I would just take their pencil and I would draw (laughs) with it. And then I would get in trouble and then I would get in a fight. Like I was, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was not a good kid, but eventually like that lady, um, she was in my middle school and there used to be like classes for like kids that like were talented in art. And it was like always Saturday morning at 9am. So I would show up and I would just, she would give us colors and paints and everything. And she would give us a topic and we would have to create. And like there was one point where she just gave us old newspaper and she's like, you can do whatever collage you want. And I like... I don't know, like, I think apples are beautiful. This is so random. So I created, like, an apple that was, like, there was specific shade, like, where the light hit it, where it was the shade and stuff like that. And she looked at it. And she really, like, I still have it at home. So she really fell in love with that apple. And she was like, <laughs> you can take whatever you want and you're going to create something beautiful. And that, when she said that, I just, I love it because, like, there's beauty in everything. And I always keep it with me, like, 
even though some things like even in life, like it doesn't have to be art, like they don't have to be as beautiful, like social situations or, you know, like I studied politics and diplomacy and stuff like that. So even if you look at like our society, it doesn't have to be perfect, but you can always find something beautiful. Or you, if you like have that mindset, you can create something beautiful out of something that's not so pretty, you know, like it was like, I love that. I love that. I think moving on from age 14, you moved to Zagreb. Is that how you say it? Zagreb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You played yeah. basketball. What was yeah. kind of the girl? What were you leaving back from home? Like you left this person, this creative person back home, moving and making the move to the big city, yeah. the big lights. All the athletes are there in the town. You're yeah. ready to step into this new version of yourself. What were you leaving behind when you made that move? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like that was a really difficult decision, even though I made up my mind and I was like, I want to play big girl basketball. And like I moved to a team that played EuroLeague and we had like WNBA players there and it was like a big move. And what I left basically was my childhood. Like I had a conversation today with a friend and he said that we basically gave our life like the best years when, I, when everyone is like partying and going out and having fun and meeting like their boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever. Like he was like, we missed that part because we literally gave our entire being to like sports and education because he also went from Croatia to the United States for basketball. And like that really hit me because I kind of like when I was 14 and I left, like I didn't have that like specific journey of like going through, you know, like teenage years when you're like, you know, experiencing stuff and when you're with your family, like mostly for me, like it was like basketball with my team, national team, basketball, like again with a new team, whatever. And it was like that until I went to the United States. And then the same thing happened. Like when I was, um, in the United States, like I came back home for a month and you know, that's been my life since I was 14 and now I'm 24 and I'm like, good God. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, but did you notice at that time, that 14 year old girl, did mm-hmm. you notice it was kind of an issue to where it's like, wait, I'm, I have to grow up faster than everybody else. Like I, yeah. I locked into this sport now it's my profession and that's all I know. Like, yeah. did you notice that you didn't really have anything outside of the sport? Well, my dad told me that before I left, he's like, I don't want you to leave because you're not going to have, you know, a typical childhood. But I was so determined to succeed um, and make something out of myself because I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm very ambitious and I have very big goals for myself. Um, and a lot of people tell me, like, you need to, you know, take a chill pill, yeah. <laughs> just relax. Yeah, 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 yeah. But for me, like even now being back home, like I have to work towards some kind of goal. And I love, I don't know if you're familiar, like David Goggins, he's like, you're like kind of having a luxury if you can decide that you have to be motivated. For me, it's just always in the back of my mind that I'm going to, you know, grow in some aspect of myself. Like I'm going to develop, like whatever it is, like whether it's education or basketball. So I wasn't aware of it at the time, but now like when I reflect back and I see my friends, for example, now when I came back home and they're like, they've been through like, like they went to a music festival or a concert and like, I didn't have those experiences. Like for me, it was mostly like practice, school practice. Like if I do something, not that I feel guilty, but you know, it's like not a typical like journey of one girl who's, you know, like, yes. Not to cut you out. Let's rewind then. Okay. So you said 
you were this creative kid back home in Slavonski, bro. I don't want to mess it up, but you were that kid. And your dad was like, oh, she's tall now. She's about to play the sport. So you move and your dad's like, wait, I want you to play the sport, but you you growing up a little bit too fast. And then you're like, no, dad, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to strive. You turn from this curious kid that didn't know the game to this Mm. girl that's striving, striving. I guess what is kind of pushing you then? Like, where do you think that motivation, that drive, that I got to have it, I got to go no matter what, no matter Mm -hmm. what it takes, strive, strive. Where does that come from? Uh, Oh, God. Well, to be honest, like I was always like that, like whatever it was. But I think basketball was something that I saw was like an opportunity for everything, whatever I wanted to achieve. Um, whether it's like educational or sport, like athletic wise, there was like a ticket to the rest of the world. Like it Mm. gave me some relationships that I never imagined I would have, um, like scholarships to some of the top universities in the world, you know, and I'm very grateful for that. And I think I was like, this is something that I'm really good at and I don't want to waste like this God given talent. Like whether like I wanted to be an artist my whole life and all of a sudden I grew so tall and people thought I was athletic and they were like, Well, you have to use this, like, you know. And it was just kind of like it swallowed me into that like opportunity. Like it just kept pulling me. Like even now, um, Like after my college career, I was considering like quitting basketball and, you know, finding a job. And again, that happened like that pool, like just like some invisible force. So for me, it was just like, if I have something I love, I, I don't know if you're familiar, like Melody Asani, she's like a fashion designer. She like now designs for Jordan brand and she's like a role model of mine. And she said, if you have something that's rare, if you were aware of it, like you would never waste it. So for me, that's kind of like also like art and basketball, because I'm like, if I have something that other people don't, I don't want to waste it. You know, I don't want to waste my time. I want to accomplish something crazy that maybe people wouldn't accomplish if they were like in there. I don't know. You know, I'm just trying to listen. No, no, no. Listen to you. I'm charged. Like, I'm like, I totally (laughs) get what she's saying, because a lot of the times, especially if you're an athlete or whatever, somebody in your field listening to this podcast like her, you have so many talents and there's so many things you're good at. And I say it all the time on here. It's your job to like cultivate those talents, grow. It's not like you're a basketball player. That's it. Because as we move on to your story, we can see how there's some challenges that arises when those things happen. Same thing for me as well. And a lot of people listening, when you just lock in and you, force, force, force. It's like, I mm. know uh, I'm an actual person. I, uh, yeah. My name's Diana. I'm not mm-hmm. just Diana, the basketball player. Uh, yeah. Find out more parts about me. But mm-hmm. no, I love what you said that you use basically basketball as a tool, like a ticket to the rest of the world. Moving on. And you're going, you go from this kid from this small country. I think it's like four mil or less than four mil yeah. in <laughs> to a small country, but a big city in that country in Zagreb to a big country in the mm-hmm. USA to a small, a small city in Maine where you yeah. went to school. <laughs> Take me to that switch. Like what were the initial <laughs> challenges? Yeah. She's laughing. Maine, Croatia. What were the challenges? Yeah. Oh God. Um, well, First of all, I'm very grateful for the opportunity I had when I went to the United States. Um, At first, I'm going to be honest, I didn't want to go. 
But again, really? I listened to my, yeah, I did not want to go. I wanted to sign a pro contract in Europe and start my professional career and, you know, like be a EuroLeague player and just develop and do all these things. But then um, my grandma stepped in and she was writing for Croatian newspapers during the independence and she was doing all these things that are really cool. And she was like, well, you know, you're a like in Croatia, there's this mindset that you're a girl, you're supposed to be pretty and do feminine things. And basically her version of me was like education and like contributing to people and being a lady, which isn't related to sports at all. So I'm like contra- contradicting her completely by playing basketball. <laughs> Because I was getting injured and elbowed and broke everything in my body, you know. But I decided to go because I was like, this is an opportunity. And whatever, like, life, like, throws at you, I think you should, like, there's a reason behind it. And you should accept it. And then we'll see what happens. So I took the SAT three times. I took TOEFL, which is like a language test, like three times. I thought I was excellent English speaker until I came to the United States. I was like, what the heck? (laughs) I'm so bad at it. Um, But yeah, it was like a big shock coming to Maine. Like there was like snow from like October until April, like maybe March, like late March, maybe April. Um, it was a small school and I, like I formed some relationships that I hope would last a lifetime However, it was like not what I imagined and we played some bigger schools and I, I really, I didn't like it there. <laughs> it, didn't, it was very cold for me and it was like a big shock. Um, it wasn't what I imagined. I'm very grateful for the opportunity, but I was like, I'm ready for something bigger or I'm going back to Europe. And then right. I entered the transfer portal as an international student. I didn't even know what was NCAA. <laughs> right. Yeah. I did it and I was like, here I am. I don't know what's going to happen to me. Maybe I'll lose a scholarship forever, but whatever. So I had a lot of offers, which was a big shock. I didn't expect that. Like a lot of really big, good schools. And I came to Texas Tech because it was just, you know, like such a good place that I, I thought it was like a great place for me. And I loved the coaching staff. And there was this coach, Shimmy Gray Miller, who like was like my person. So yeah, I'm grateful for Maine, but I was ready for change <laughs> like, very, very soon. <laughs> okay, so when you when you came from Maine to Texas Tech, finding your community, I guess when you you already came from this girl that you know, for lack of better words, is robbed of the childhood fun and just the experimentation of life yeah. and finding friends and finding different things early in life. You move on to Maine, where it's like, nope. Whatever you know, <laughs> yeah. go, but this whole sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you come to Texas. How was finding your community in Texas in a new mm-hmm. school? It's kind of like if it were me, I'm listening and I'm behind the eyes of Miss Tiana. I'm like, yeah. oh hell no, nah. this the school number two. I'm like, uh, yeah. I'm gonna be watching. Like, I don't know how this is. Yeah. How was it initially for you? What was going through your mind when you're trying to reach out and, and to build those new relationships? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when I first went there, I didn't have like many friends and it was like a very, very big change. Um, it was like shocking, honestly, like a really big place. I didn't have any friends. 
um, it's like going from very northern school to a very southern school. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and there was like, <laughs> yeah. Like I saw people with like cowboy hats and cowboy boots, and I was like, "Where on earth did I come to?" You know, like, right. this place is so different than anything I imagined. But then slowly but surely, like I met some people that were from Europe at first, like they were on a tennis team, or you know, like other athletes or there were just students like master students and I became friends with them really quick um, because it's just like culturally you connect really quick and you see yeah. like you know like you see oh th- this is what we don't like about America so you know <laughs> we like get together and we like complain and get it a lot and then we go back and fight you know but um, yeah I'm like very grateful I made really good friends and they were mostly like European but then I like I was very grateful because my major was political science and this is where I made friends that I love them so much and I'm going to talk to them after I finish the conversation with you. Actually, um, I joined um, Texas Tech Model United Nations and that is like where I found my community. I love them and the they know delegation. I... What did you say? Is it that the student delegation there? Um, it's like Model UN. So that's like United Nations, but like not real one. I don't yeah. know, like, would we call it? Yeah, it's like student delegation, kind of, yeah. you know. Um, and I love them. I told them in their face, like, we're all a bunch of nerds. <laughs> love, you know, like, pol- politics and international affairs. And that's where I found some friends. Like, one friend asked me to be, like, a godmother to her child. And, like, it's just incredible, like, the relationships you form. We went to San Francisco and D.C. conferences together. And I'm very grateful I was able to do that, like, alongside basketball. So... Yeah, that's where I that's found my friends. That's fire. No, that's fire. You're, that's another part of your story that's so interesting and, and uh, like, honestly, awesome. Like, the the politics and just uh, the, I read somewhere that you, you've always wanted to be a diplomat. Like, that's your dream when you've grown up. For listeners and for me, one, what is a diplomat? Two, what does a <laughs> diplomat do? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's, like, so many things you can do. Um like I want to become a diplomat for Croatia and I want like it, it is my dream and I'm not, you know, hiding anything like it's on my vision board and I would love to become that one day. But basically, I would love to represent my country the way I did for my national team, but it would just be on a different stage. It's like kind of like politics, but in the international realm. So my goal would be to become Croatian ambassador in a foreign country and you're basically like in charge of people who like whenever there was COVID they're trying to bring people back home or if there's an incident like they come to the embassy and you're trying to help them um also you're attending so many different meetings like from UN NATO there's like so much you can do and you're like reporting back to your country what's going on um and you're basically representing the country on all kinds of stages so I think like that's a really thing for me so that's kind of what it is a diplomat in the making, a creative, an artist, literally, and an athlete all in one. I, I've i never had this. Oh, okay. A mid-podcast round of applause. But honestly, you. you go from that and you grow and you, you find these new friends at Texas Tech, the UN group, and, and you're really going to these different places. I read where you went to, I guess, a conference in D.C. where you mm-hmm. offered an internship. Yeah. So you're getting real opportunities. You end up graduating early in three years and moving on. Uh, graduated December 2019, moved yeah. on to the University of Virginia. Take yeah. me 
to that time where you're you're leaving a school that you finished off. You had a coaching change, um, those emotions that week and then moving on to getting accepted into a big business school. Was it the, not a business school, but the, the Frank Batten School, school of, of Leadership? Leadership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Leadership and, and public policy. Yeah. And you get accepted and approved to play the sport. So you go from leaving one school and yeah. then everything rushed in one week. Take me to that time. Yeah. The emotions, everything. Wow. Um, when I reflect back, I really don't know how I've done it. Um, I still think about it and I think I had a very unconventional journey by all means. I decided to transfer in last moment because I was like, you know what? Let me see what's out there again. It's going to be my third school. I never imagined that would happen for me, but oh well, you know, like I might as well get my master's degree possibly. And when I got offered by Virginia, I didn't know at the time that that was such a hard, like academic institution, like very respected. Um, when I was in a conference in DC with like Texas Tech Model UN, I was in an Uber and of course I talk a lot. So my Uber driver was like, what are you going to do next? Like when you graduate? And I said, I might go to Virginia. And he turned around while he was driving, not very safe. Um, <laughs> and he said like, are you aware that's like public Ivy League school? Like that's a really, like really big time school. And I didn't know it at the time, but now like. Wait, I'm wait, so- wait, sorry not to cut you off. Yeah. Uh, again, one, if anybody's listening, that's a Texas Tech fan at that year for her to go. Yeah. To Texas yeah, Tech really Virginia, that's why. That's, that's wild. I know. I that's know. literally I'm wild. Virginia t-shirt. Yeah, um, that's wild. Dude, you, why did you choose Virginia then? Like if you didn't yeah. know it was that. So I'm like, uh, should I be looking yeah. at Rihanna a little different yeah. right now? <laughs> no, no, no. no. Listen, listen, listen. Yeah. So um, I got an offer from them and I was like, like in March when we lost against them, I was like, whoever even heard about Virginia? Like what kind of place is that? And I was like judging them. And, you know, like I was so sad that night when we lost because we were all cheering for you guys. Um, but then I got recruited by coach Monica Wright. Like she was assistant. She was a recruiting coordinator. And that lady is incredible. She was, I think, like an All-American, like did incredible things played in WNBA and she was so honest and like a really incredible person. And she told me like, I was like, so yeah, can you like guys tell me what kind I don't know. Like we were talking about like me, like getting ready conditioning. She's like, we want to be respectful until you sign. We are not going to tell you anything because Virginia is a very high value institution and there's an honor code. And she told me all these incredible things about the university that I had no idea. And many people, that didn't attend UVA wouldn't even know that. But once you get in and you get into that groove, you kind of like realize how big and important that place is. But I really fell in love in Virginia because of her. And after I've done my research, I was like, wow, like I really want to go there. Like I really, right. really, really want to go there. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's fire. I guess when you got in and you got accepted to that prestigious, yeah. almost Ivy League school, how did you feel in that moment when you got that? Walk me through that day when you found out, okay, one, I can play, and two, I'm here. I'm in the school yeah. that I wanted. I'm, I'm on the, the right steps to become a diplomat. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be honest. Like, it might sound crazy, but when I got there, 
it kind of didn't feel real. And I was in a classroom with people who were doing incredible things. Like there's um, a group at UVA, it's called like Women's Entrepreneurship. And I joined the group, of course. <laughs> and there was a girl who was helping female education in India. There was a girl who developed her own app for, you know, like going to gym at night through you finding like a gym body. Like they were really like incredible people there. Like during their breaks, they go to a, like a developing country and they're trying to help any way they can. And I was sitting there thinking like, who am I? from Slavonsky Broad, Croatia. Like, why am I sitting here in this big classroom with these incredible people listening to this, like, Ivy League educated professor? Like, I had a really big imposter syndrome. And I was very, very grateful for my opportunity there. But it was just, like, kind of like a guilt. Like, mm. how did I... Why did this come to me? You know, I, I've worked so hard my entire life. Like, if anyone like my friends who were supporting me like during the application process like it was very difficult to get into that school um once I got in I was just thinking to myself like like do I actually deserve this like am I actually like not that I'm like am I actually worth it but that was kind of going through my mind because just you know listening to the people around me yeah literally make this jump you come over here Literally, uh, your high school credits don't even transfer no. <laughs> from that. And you literally graduate with honors. Then yeah. you end up getting your master's. But it's the mindset that I'm not good enough. But literally, if only everybody knew all these people in this little school that I'm in never had to go through what I've been through. So if anybody's qualified to be here, it's me. But it's that voice on this podcast, the mind bully getting at you in those real moments, not telling you you're not good enough, telling you you should be back home. It's like in those real moments, what steps and how did you get over that? How did you work through and push through that voice? Yeah. So there's um, an academic advisor at Batten School and I love her so much. She's helped me so much. Um, and she told me like, you have an imposter syndrome. It's very normal for international students, especially successful women who often even quit positions. And this is, I hope, I don't know, this is a public thing that I'm saying private stuff, but it's true. It's like a lot of successful women have it and they often quit positions of le- like in leadership because they feel like they don't belong. And she's like, mm-hmm. you belong. You be- like, you worked so hard. And then once I got in, like engaged in the community and once I made my friends and I was like, quite actually like, this is okay. Like I have friends yeah. Like, you know, like other people see it, like, why can I not see it, you know? And all of a sudden, like, I was like, yeah, this is, this can be my place. Like, it took me some time to get used to it because, you know, like Thomas Jefferson went there, like Edgar Allan Poe, like we had to read him in Croatia. He's an author. And like all these people that I was like reading about, like they went to that school and a lot of my friends, like they don't even know about any of that, like from back home, like my dad. <laughs> but he doesn't, I don't think he's like aware, like how big time that was. Um, and now I'm there by myself and it took me a long time actually to get used to everything and just see like, yeah, I do belong. And even though this is all super shiny and super pretty and the school is very prestigious, like, you know, like I worked very hard and I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be accepted if I didn't belong here, you know? So well, it took me a while, but yeah. Not, not yeah, not even to cut you off, but you go, you come January and you start. 
And it's that pressure and that voice in your head to prove, to prove, yeah, you're keeping going, like you're, you're striving, you're going. But what were, I guess, some of the consequences of that success? You know, like you, you just attested to that, that imposter syndrome, proving, 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 proving. But there's one thing, there's a comes to a point later on during the spring, COVID happens. You end up ending the, your season with a concussion. Also, you, you went through a trying time when you lost a, a loved one. Can you walk us through that time? What was everything that happened in the time and what was mentally and emotionally happening in you? How did you get through those tough moments, spring 2020, that COVID time? Wow. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. That was like such a weird and difficult time because I found out that my grandma was sick. And then long after, like the whole world stopped and, you know, like I was there by myself and it was my choice and also my family's choice for me to stay in the United States at the time and like, just, you know, keep pushing towards whatever I'm going, you know, like I have my goal, I need to graduate, I want to be a diplomat. And this is like a big stepping stone for me. And, you know, I'm going through all of that and it's just... I was just thinking like, what is going on? (laughs) Like with the entire world, like, why is this happening? I just couldn't believe everything. Like I was like, didn't we all like have enough, not myself, like the entire humanity, like we've been through a lot, like the entire history. And now this, like, what the heck? And then my family, like that happening, like that was really difficult. But something that helped me a lot was honestly like reading books, running. I used to run. I was like, basically like running, like I'm preparing for a marathon. I would just get out of the apartment and I would run (laughs) crazy distances and I wouldn't even get tired. I would listen to like a Nike app and they would like speak to me, like keep going. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, like running whatever mile I'm at. And one thing that really was like my go-to like peace, like place was art. I Mm. bought incredible amount of paint paper, whatever. And I would just spend my entire day just painting and drawing and putting everything I have in me, uh, like on the paper. And that's kind of like what balanced everything. Yeah. It's like in those real moments, you need something to pull on. I know in that COVID time and isolation, anybody listening, you're going through the real time, you know, a real time where you have to be still out of everything, even with a concussion. I actually yeah. had a concussion this year where <laughs> yeah. you literally can't do anything. You're not even supposed to have your phone. You're like in those yeah. moments, you have to lock in with yourself more than any. Um, thank you for, for the bravery for you to share your, your story with your grandma. But my question is why, right? I know you, your family said stay. I know you wanted to stay, but why? What was it? In your mind and your mentality, you go, you go, you go. But everybody went home. Literally yeah. everyone. The world stopped. Yeah. Why and how did you get through that moment by yourself? Like if you were to walk us through behind the eyes of Tiana, yeah. literally in those moments, in that city, by yourself, isolated, COVID, you don't know. Everything is ambiguous at that point. You don't know your next tomorrow. Yeah. Why stay? Why stay? Because I knew if I went back home for sure, and I, I know it for a fact, I would come home and I would feel the comfort of being with your family and being safe. Like I, I cannot explain how, like how it feels, but I would just come back home and I would spend my time with them as like my little cousin is right here on the chair. <laughs> if you hear any bumps, it's her. Um, 
but it's just here. I know for a fact, I wouldn't push myself as hard to be in the best possible shape I can be. I wouldn't push myself like to run. I would be with them. I would talk with them all day, every day. I would be with my grandma and I am honestly not sure if I'm strong enough to go through what my family went through with her. And I think in a way I kind of protect my, protected myself um, because I would honestly quit. I would quit my master's degree. We had a student from China and I really don't know how he graduated. Like with that time difference and everything, I don't think I would be as productive, as efficient it took a mental toll. Absolutely. Like now right. when I look back, my family's like, you got to calm down, you know, but, um, I think well, I made well, a good decision. Yeah. What was that? To- what was that toll? Because you, you just said you don't think that you could have felt that pressure that your family did. What was kind of the toll that you kind of, not that you are, sh- were shielding yourself from, yeah. but if you were to pull that shield off, what would you be releasing? What emotions, what feelings? Yeah. So I think like, for example, like my brother and I were basically raised by our dad and our two grandmas and my aunt. And like my grandma was like a person who basically helped raise us. And when she got sick, I think, I don't know how would I keep, you know, being, um, like mentally strong and like, you know, healthy with seeing her being sick. Like, I think it would be like such a difficult thing for me. And I was like, I don't know how I would like, I just, that's like, I spoke to the rest of my family and they're like, you, you have never actually like processed those difficult situations because I just bury all my emotions in work, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. often isn't healthy, but you know, like that's like even art, like my aunt was like, you're using that as like an escape. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, just seeing her, like, it's like one of the most important people in my life, getting sick and being from one of the most positive people I've ever met in my life to being, you know, like very weak and mm-hmm. not being able to daily things. I don't know how would I, I think that would just, the sadness would swallow me. And my response was like, I'm going to show her that I'm going to become all that. And I'm going to, you know, like even though she always told me like, no, you don't have to do any of that. Just come back home. Like we're already yeah. proud of you, but like, I really want to do something incredible to make them all proud. And you know, like I know she's in heaven. I know for a fact that she's like one of the best people in the world. <laughs> um, but I really wanted to make her proud and just keep pushing. And once I graduate, like say that I can do that because the first week I felt like, you know, like that movie, yeah. like blonde from Harvard or whatever. I don't know. What it's like. <laughs> legally blonde. I was like, I'm like legally blonde. I don't belong here, but yeah, I actually made it through. So Man, I'm very deep. happy about that. Literally that honestly, what you just did was courageous. And you, you talked it through, right? You know, a lot of the times you said you suppress your emotions, but that was a form of pulling them emotions yeah. up and, and speaking about that time. So no, thank you for that. And I think that leads me to your next season, right? You're pressing, you're pushing, you're going, you're striving. Literally the whole world stopped. You keep going. You're the literally probably the only one in the world. You're going, you're going, you're going. That pressure built you up to the next moment. And you play in that next season and then you get hurt. You get injured. You partially tear your ACL. Can you walk me through that day 
after yeah. everything that you just <laughs> stayed for, sacrificed for, grind, literally you had a summer internship that you had that summer because of, uh, you know, the UN group, the boys, the little sisters that you have, yeah. shout out them. You grew from that. That summer you stayed for that. You grinded for that. You grinded for stepping into this next version of you in the next season. And then you tear your ACL. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Um. Well, that was... I don't even know what to say. <laughs> um, when, like, the way I am, I didn't accept it. I knew my, I knew something was wrong with my leg, but I was like, nope, this is not happening. So I got up and I started running, and I, I was like, nope, my leg is actually not working. So I asked for a sub, got out, limped to the locker room. We were at Central Florida, and my trainer. Like tested it, and she's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's stable. It shouldn't be like something super bad. Maybe she was protecting me, you know. Like until we see an MRI, she didn't want to say anything. But um, like within a day, they, she told me they call it ACL walk. You're not able to bend or straighten your leg, and it was very weird. Like from being like an athlete who was like jumping and being super athletic and all of that to not being able to like bend or straighten your leg. It's like pretty terrifying. And then, yeah, that's not and, funny, but it's funny. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, yeah. Yeah. it's funny. I laugh at it now. I'm like, what am I going to do? Cry. Um, but so yeah, I was like, you know what? It's, uh, it's whatever. So I started doing like slowly like squats and everything. We waited, I think like an, a week or two for my MRI and I asked her, like, so what do you think? Like, can I still play this season? And she's like, what do you think? And I was like, I don't know, maybe, like, maybe my meniscus, but I can still play on it, right? Like, even though that's, like, super bad. She's like, you think that's super bad? <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because I was, like, seriously thinking they're all about to tell me, like, it's all a joke. And I'm actually healthy and it's all fine. But then, like, we have this doctor, and now we're, like, besties. He's a surgeon. His name is Dr. Guatmi at UVA. Shout out to him. The biggest legend ever. Um, I call him guacamole, and now the whole hospital knows that I call him that. But <laughs> Shout out, Guac. Yeah, guacamole. But he came. My head coach came. My best friend was with me, my trainer, and all of them. And they were, they sat me down, and they were, like, Hey, me, like super happy. And I was like, finally, they're going to tell me I'm going to be back like in two weeks, you know, like it's going to be fine. I just need to do my rehab and it, my knee is going to be fine. So they sat me down and he spoke to me for, I'm not lying, five minutes saying all these things. You're so strong. You're so healthy. Like you were like Wonder Woman. You're so strong. But like, like there's this tiny little thing in the middle of your knee, like that even like, so it's super small and it's not hundred percent. It's just like partial, like 90%, which is like, it's not hundred, but it's 90, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's only that thing. And it's like a little bit broken. And I'm like, is it ACL? And he's like, yeah. And that was like, I will never forget that moment because that was such a serious, surreal moment. That was like my biggest fear, like tearing my ACL. Mm. And it's like what you're afraid of, you're attracted. But no, I'm not afraid of it anymore. <laughs> it's like, whatever. <laughs> um, but when he said that, that was like the first time in my life that I actually like, I know it sounds like so crazy, like when I say it and maybe a cliche, but like you hear white noise, like the whole world stops and you realize that you're like actually all by yourself. And no matter what anyone says, nothing's going to make it any better. 
And like, I wasn't sad at the moment when he said that to me, I just was so angry and I started like cussing and I was like, what the heck? Like, why, how on earth? Like how, like why, you know, I was just so angry and I was like, you know what? I'm going to come back and I'm going to be dunking that ball. Like it's going to be fine. I was so angry. And then I got to the locker room and I closed the doors, (laughs) started crying Mm -hmm. like never before in my life, like really, really bad. And then my best friend, she found me and, you know, like it was better, but it's crazy not to cut you off because I, I totally a hundred percent understand that feeling. I broke my foot, not at ACL, but yeah. when that happened, I was cussing up a storm, just pissed. I was yeah. pissed at people talking to me. I was pissed. But then when I got in my room by myself, I'm like, what just happened? Like, yeah. I, you feel all the real, like raw mm-hmm. emotions come up in those moments and you go on to a road to recovery from there, unlike any other. The first time you're literally, you're kind of charged, but then you look to something else. You look yeah. to art. Like you said, you're escape, you're, you're joining and you're growing in a different vein of, of yeah. little Tiana from back home, Slavonsky <laughs> broad like that. <laughs> that Tiana came back in that injury. Walk me through those moments, figuring out, Oh, I love painting. I love yeah. this. I love art. Like I love, Building a world, they're drawing and painting a world that I need to see. I love that. Take me through that time. Like you mean like from my childhood to now? No, just basically in that time when you got hurt, you got injured and you're like, wait, I'm more than just a basketball player. Mm -hmm. I can do more. I can see more. Kind of that escape, helping you through those real emotional times where the tears and I'm seeing my teammates play and I can't play. What can I do? I can paint. And then you charge yourself that way. Take me through those moments. Yeah, that happened um, because I would just watch their practice and it would eat me alive. Like it was just so hard, so hard to see that. Um, I don't know. And I came home and I was like, what is like the purpose of all this? Like I've been working so hard and it's been taken away from me. And like, I was like, you know what? Like this can be the end of me. Or this can be like a start of something really pretty and a new opportunity. So I took, like, I always have my paints. My apartment was covered in like bottles of acrylics and canvases and, you know, like paintbrushes and everything. And I was like, you know what? This is an opportunity. I'm going to sit down with an ice on my knee after my surgery. And I started painting like all day, every day I would like go to class. And as soon as the class was done, I was like, yeah, I'm going to add this there, this there, like this color, you know, it was just really like, like not even paying yeah. attention to class. <laughs> yeah. It's not the best. Not, not good at all. Actually. No, that's fire. That's fire. Yeah. My favorite one is like, I think it was like face of lady spring, something that you made. I was like, mm-hmm. that is like, I remember that was so dope. Like, continue, sorry, keep going. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I just, it's like crazy how, like, I don't know, like, for example, like in the spring, like all the colors and nature is awaking or like you see this, like just nature is so inspirational and Virginia is so beautiful. There are trees everywhere. And I would like, whenever like something like would hard, hard would happen or I would be like feeling sorry for myself because of my leg, I would like kind of like dive back in, like in my history classes when I was a kid 
And I was like, I love the Egyptian culture and I love like the gold and the mixture of blue. And then like, I, there's, there are all these things, like the inspiration comes flowing through you. And I'm like, I have to get it out. <laughs> yeah. you know, I have to create. And even just thinking about it and like listening like to that lady Melody Asani that I really love. Like, I'm just like, there's so much more than just, you know, like, drib- like not, you know, just dribbling the ball. Like that's my love, you know, like basketball, but there's so much more that like this whole new sphere of our existence when you are like in this flow and you can just create and your mind is like dreaming, but it's, I think it's so good. Yeah. So that, you know, that took me out of my misery. (laughs) There's so much more. And I think in those real times, you start looking at the different traits that you have and you look to your childhood and you picked up an art, you still want to be a diplomat. And you go to New York and you have this internship. And when you're in this internship, you call it literal your dream. Take me to that time. Why was it your dream? That kid, that that artistic kid in New York and now you're a diplomat. Take me to that time. (laughs) Um, So that was very, uh, I don't even know how to explain. That was incredible. Sorry, I'm like, it took me a minute, but just, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just so surreal. I was sitting there with some of the incredible people that I still, some of them I have a really good relationship with and they follow my progress, like with basketball, with education. They're like, you could do this or you could do this or you could do that. And they're like having all these ideas. Um, It's just, that was the time when I was like, there's so much room for growth for me from languages from like, you know, like speaking another language, like you can like communicate to a whole new group of people and making them feel comfortable when you appear or you can, you know, like just hearing, you like, know, like four languages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I sound no, like an idiot. Wait, no. wait, wait, wait. What was it? French, German, Croatian. A, a little bit of French. I'm still learning French, like Croatian, okay. German and English for now. And now I'm learning French and I really want to become fluent. Like that is a dream of mine. So yeah, it's like three and three and like a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. But it was, it was a blessing. I just, you know, meeting people, there's a lady, she's 45. She has a kid and a husband. She has five degrees. She's a diplomat of Croatia to the mission of you. Like she's um, in mission of Croatia to the United Nations. Mm incredibly smart every time she opens her mouth i'm just like wow (laughs) oh my gosh like this is crazy and she's so humble and so funny and she's like doing all these incredible things and there's a guy like from my country who's like a president of law school brilliant and humble and just he's been through so much like he helped found my country and gather like the lawyers to persecute like war criminals like he's done so much and you meet him and he's so humble. Like he introduced mm. me to some other ambassador of ambassadors of other countries. Like I attended all these meetings and I was like, this is something that I really want to do. And I think I would be good at it. Like it was very, very humbling and I'm very grateful for it. And I don't even know well, how, what, how's your ability? Like how in those real moments, do you not lose your head and get wrapped up? Like, okay, nope. This is all I want to do. I read literally you're you're in New York and you're in those rooms. You're meeting all these people, but you're still waking up at 5 a.m. to rehab, to work. Right. After that, you go meet all them people. But before that, yeah, Tiana, in those real moments, still charging, still. I'm (laughs) I'm here. I'm staying here for a moment like I'm I'm building myself up. I got this. I think 
I don't even know if I could have done that. Like the charge, where does that come from that, that I can do all, I can sacrifice my body in those takes. Like how mentally, emotionally, physically, don't you just get exhausted? I I mean, I did get exhausted. Like that was incredibly hard working from nine to five and being in the office, like sitting in, that was like a part that wasn't so great. Like, most of the time they sit in a chair and because of COVID, there were some conferences that I had to follow from my laptop. And I'm the person who likes to walk and being active and running and doing that rehab, like was like, okay, I did my rehab. And when I say like knee rehab, people think, Oh, like a massage or, you know, like stretching. No, that's like two, three hours of hard exercises to activate your quad and hamstring muscles and jumping and, it's really hard and I hate it, but it's, you know, it's whatever. It's my reality. Um, now I started loving it. I'm like, yeah, I'm really good at like knee exercises. I know everything <laughs> about it. Um, but yeah, I would like wake up and I would go there like in my, you know, UVA jersey, like a UVA t-shirt looking, you know, no makeup, looking like a mess. And then I would right. pitch my, yeah, literally looking lower for bed, but <laughs> I would complete my rehab and then I would take a shower in the gym, bring my suit, put my makeup on, blow dry my hair in the gym with their like hair dryer. And then I would take two trains cause I lived in Manhattan. Like that's all my scholarship, like not Manhattan, Brooklyn. Cause that's what all my scholarship would cover. So I, I rented this cheap room in like Brooklyn I would take one train to Manhattan and then another train to like UN to Grand Central Station. And I would be like, you know, I would get in like, you know, Virginia gear and I would get up, like get out of the gym, like in a blue suit or a red suit with my beautiful bag looking, you know, like I play the role. Um, But yeah, like, I don't know how I did it. It was really hard. (laughs) It was really hard. In those moments, do you ever have a breakdown? Because for me, it's like <laughs> you're charging, you're you're going, you're going, you're going. Yeah. And so we're so after what we want in this life. So many talents. You're so talented with so many different things. Like ah, I got to make time for this painting. I got to see this. And then yeah. ah, I got to grind. I got to re rehab. I got to go. And then I got to get on this train to get on this train to have a good day or maybe have a bad day and then start all over again. Where's your time? You know, where's your time to breathe, to create in those times, those real moments when you go back home, you're like, (sighs) yeah, oh, I think my like, I enjoy that. That's a problem. (laughs) I really enjoy being, you know, like on a move and moving towards a goal. And like for me, getting on that train in a suit, knowing that I'm going to hear a conference by, you know, UN women or hearing about human rights or something that I'm really passionate about. That's like something that fueled me like really well. But then I'm not going to lie. Like I did get really burnt out because we need a break. And Mm -hmm. a lot of my teammates during that time were having a break. They were at home or my friends back home would go to the Croatian coast and swim in our beautiful Adriatic sea. But I didn't do that. Like I was in Manhattan in a freaking Metro every day, like going there and you know, those diplomats, like they were living very close to the embassy, like to the consulate and stuff. I lived two hours, you know, (laughs) away by train in Brooklyn. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? (laughs) I could be on the beach right now. Right. Um, but yeah, I just committed to it and I wanted to finish it. And yeah, 
literally people tell me you go you go you go rest but i'm like yeah. i like this i like yeah. what i'm doing i actually like this and it's like i it takes a, a person that knows who they are and is really motivated in everything that they want to keep going to keep going to keep going you later on you kept going and you went back to charlottesville second season your second game your second acl yeah your second acl tier yeah what happened next um, well, that's where I hit a breaking point. That's the first time where I actually stopped and I was like, like, this is, this is, I decided I'm going to quit basketball. I decided that I just became, I'm not going to lie, like really depressed and really sad. And you realize that you worked so hard, so freaking hard just to make a stupid wrong move at the game. And I'm not going to lie, I was under adrenaline. I was like, I'm playing and I'm playing really good and I want to block this freaking shot, you know? And the girl just came into my knee like a little bit and like she like she ran into my, like a little bit, you know, like on the side, my knee popped. Whole procedure, started running again, couldn't do it, you know? And I was like, this is ACL. I know, I've been through it, this is it. And... You know, at this time, I was like, I'm just going to get through this part of my life because it's obviously meant to be this way. Mm. I don't have an option. But this time around, I decided to make some drastic changes. And I decided to stop pushing myself that hard in every way. I was like, I need to take a break. And I'm going to do my best in rehab but I'm not going to kill myself if I don't make it like, you know, like 90% of muscle strength by whatever month, because that's what I was doing with my left knee. And I've done it. I made all those timelines and broke, you know, like little records that I set for myself, but I was like, not this time. I'm going to not go through the motion, but I'm not going to push myself this freaking hard ever freaking again. Cause it's like my health and my mental health is more important than all these achievements that I'm chasing. And I need a break. Like that was the time when I was like, I really need a freaking break. Cause it's been, it's been a lot, you know, and I've, I've done this to myself, but you know, you didn't though. You did not And I, I appreciate the accountability and anybody listening is like, wow, this girl's story. She's, she's going for this. She's going for this. She can do it all. And then the injury comes and you ask yourself, why me? Like, why me? If anybody deserves to be great and to be good and healthy, it's me. I totally resonate with your story. And when I'm researching you, I'm like, literally, I think this is the exact same person as me. I break my foot. I break my other foot. And I'm like, why me? And it's those real moments where, for lack of better words, you're almost feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. And you're like, dang, like, how do I get out of this? And it's, I like what you said there, because a lot of the times people like us, like we're striving, we're striving. That's all we know how to do. We're going to strive again. And so what looks like, oh, they're so courageous. They're going after it. Actually, it's not the courageous thing. It's the courageous thing to do is to sit there, look at how you are, to process the things. Why Why do I feel like I have to keep going, keep going, keep going? Yeah. Oh, do I think I'm only a basketball player? Let me look at that. Let me unpack yeah. that. Why do I think that this is all that I am? 
Can I be more? Can I look to yeah. my painting? Can I look to being a diplomat? Being like when you are able to process and sit with yourself and unpack and ask yourself, why do I feel this way? Where does that come from? Where does that feeling come from? Then you can look at it. And for me, I give it up to something greater. I give it up to God. And it's, it's like, <laughs> I tried it my way. I broke my damn other foot. Yeah. You tried yeah. it your way. You, you know, yeah. so in those moments, when you get through that, I like what you said here. You said, I, I literally screenshot it because it was beautiful. She does shout out to your um your art page. Literally, she does these videos where she's like painting and she speeds <laughs> it up. It's fire. But you say second week post-surgery painting gives me my greatest joy and my sense of peace in oneself. I believe my knee is healing the way it should. I'm going to edit this so it makes me sound fabulous. I believe <laughs> I believe my knee is healing the way it's due due to the presence of my art every day in my life. The beauty of the moment captured in this video is what brings me happiness every day. I guess through art, right? How were you able to look at yourself? How were you able to become self-aware and present in your moment? I think it's just... I, I don't think I can experience it with anything else. It's like you and something like you're tapping into this other sphere and it's not here on earth. It's like your imagination and whatever you feel, like if you add this extra dot, it's like this dot means something. Cause I love like impressionism and those lines and dots and, you know, and I'm like, if I add this little thing there, like this little detail is like giving it a little extra something. And, it's like representing a little piece of myself. I don't know. Like it really helped me like whatever I feel, I would like, like kind of like transform it into creativity and just put it on a paper and just get it out of myself. And I was like, wow, this is, I can just sit content with myself and just look at it and be like, yeah. Like, even though some of my artwork, I'm like, this is never good enough. <laughs> I want it to be, you know, perfect. I'm like, ah, I should have done this, but then I take a new canvas and I'm like, you know, like, oh, it's always a work in progress, but I don't know. I it's like it. something else. Like just the process of it is beautiful. Yeah, it is. And literally I'm not even kissing ass. I, like I'm, <laughs> I'm being serious. I love your work. I, I really think that's a, a thing that in my life that I look to like, Oh, she's a creative. That's hella dope. It's like the work of progress in progress. Like you just yeah. said, the work in progress, seeing what you can paint, seeing what you can deliver, for me, actually for you, if I were to remove those experiences, those two ACL tears from your life, from your time, what would I be taking from your character? Oh, gosh. As difficult as it was, I don't think I would be aware of myself the way I am right now because it really shows you like yeah, I have limits and I have like, there's a board, like there's like a little border that when you cross it, like without a break, like this is what happens. And it's, it's like, for me, it happened physically and it's just what happened. You know, it, it could have, I, you know, there are other things that happen in life, but for me, it was like an ACL and it taught me so much about myself that I can survive and thrive through literally anything and I can, you know, like, it's just, it makes you so much stronger going through two of those and just, you know, still wanting to go for a run. 
I went yeah. to shoot basketball today with my brother and I was like still, you know, wanting to shoot the freaking basketball and jump. And I'm like, wow, like there's just, you know, like no matter what life puts in front of you, God or universe or Buddha or whatever you believe in will give you a strength or a gift or something to get through it and get, you know, get like jump over that obstacle and grow through it. And I think I've grown so much through these freaking ACLs. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's, it's like your, your courage and just your candor to speak so openly about everything you've, you've been through is so admirable. I know anybody listening Little Tiana, if I if I had a little daughter, I'd be like, listen to her story. She grinding, she going through all this, but she's still creative too. Like she's not just a, a weirdo that's just a basketball nerd. She got so many things going in her life. I love that for you, right? You're sitting here and I'm looking at three big, beautiful paintings, pictures, whatever in the background. And you're like, you told me you're literally playing for this new team in Belgium. You're starting off your career. You want to still be a diplomat. What in your life, all these talents that you have, are you most excited about? And you don't have to say basketball because it's just the the frequent thing, the recent thing. Like, what are you most excited about? I think I'm most excited about the opportunity to still play basketball while the upper, I'm going to have the opportunity to learn French in a beautiful country, um, being surrounded by very, like, I hope, like I haven't met them yet, but I think I'm going to be surrounded by ambitious group of people from starting from the head coach who was a national team coach of Belgium and an Olympian, um, learning from him, coming back to European style of game, no matter how long I still want to play, I'm leaving it out. Like I'm going to leave it open to myself and seeing how this season goes. But I'm excited for the opportunity to play basketball, learning French, and then having more free time from like school and readings yeah. and all of that <laughs> to come home and making my little room or wherever I live, like my little art studio. And I'm going to be painting after my practice and just, you know, listening to my like classical music and just, you know, just enjoying, like, That's enjoying my fire. Life. I, I think, what is that? Emma, 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 Primatura, how you say it? Imprim- oh, Imprimatura, yeah. I don't know how to say it in yeah. That's fire. When you, it's like, it's like you see a raw canvas and it's like so a, cool, right? I think that's so fire. Watching one of I yours, I'm so telling cool. you, I'm like, that is dope. That is so yeah. cool. I think, ah. yeah. No, I, I, one, I enjoyed, I've enjoyed um, you being on this podcast and our Thank time you. and your story. I think there's one thing I do disagree with for you and I have to bring it up. I have to bring this up. I'm still on the path to find my purpose, but these injuries and obstacles help me open my eyes and see that my truth is still yet to be discovered. Literally, (laughs) I think anybody (laughs) listening to this right now knows your truth. She's a grinder, a passionate person that's going to be somebody huge in this life. Whatever she sees and sets her little eyes on, she does. She's going to do it all 100%. Your truth is who you are, service, a leader, that type of person. And for me, I don't think purpose is something, a destination. It's not something that you go because it gives you that mindset that I got to strive. I got to strive. And then when I get there, yes, it's purpose. But like, you know, you got to Virginia, you got to the school you wanted and you still felt like, damn, like, am I supposed to be here? Mm. I think purpose is attained in the day, in the now. And I'm so thankful that your purpose, your truth, 
you displayed that and you shared with me right now. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Norris. I'm so honored. Like, honestly, I'm so impressed that you're doing this, like giving people the opportunity and like a platform to talk like about their stories. I think it's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, not to cut you off. Not to cut you off. I always say this with all my guests. I got wrapped up in your story. This is my last question that I always say. I say overcoming your mind bully, that negative voice in your head when you're in those real moments. What are the practical steps that you do and work to overcome your mind bully? Like just reflect on who you are, what you've been through and what have you done? Like, have you given 100 percent? And if you've given your hundred percent, like you should have nothing to be worried about or regretting. And for me, that was like a big thing with my injuries. I was like, did I give it 100%? I was like, I gave it my 1000%. And when my, you know, tank is empty, I just know how to take a break and just reflection and sitting with yourself and, you know, knowing your truth, I think is very fire. Give me, give me one actionable step. Like somebody's listening to this podcast, something that, you do every single day that helps you get over that hump, that helps you remind yourself of your truth. That one thing, give me something. I do like, I start an action. Like I have to do something physically. I'm like, if I'm sitting in a room, like whether it's an injury or I wasn't like, you know, like able to walk or whatever, I would literally do something freaking. I have to like, make myself useful, whether that's painting, whether that's reading a book, whether that's calling someone I love, like I need to start doing something and just be like, Hey, like I've done this. I've been through it. Like I've been through other stuff. Like it's going to be fine. And just reminding yourself through action, not sitting passively and feeling sorry for yourself. Like if you need to clean my go-to thing, this is a key. I start cleaning. I clean my whole house, <laughs> clean everything I have. And that's like a therapy. Like my roommate already knows, like I'm stressed or something's going on when I'm like scrubbing the floors and, you know, so that's my thing. Cleaning, I think. Yeah. I just love that. that. Love that. Love yeah. that so much. If you're going through a tough time now, you're listening to podcasts with me and Tiana. Start Literally, cleaning. Start cleaning. Start, yeah, start cleaning everything. Yeah, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> that is so fire again. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I know so many people will be impacted and find value in this content. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. I'm very grateful. Thank you so much, honestly, for listening to this episode. Tiana, you killed it. Honestly, your story was so impactful. I enjoyed it so much. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. If you like this content, you like her story, you like what we're building here together, please do me a great and lovely favor. Leave a rate and review five stars. It does a lot to bring and boost this story, what we're building here together at Mind Believe Podcast. So many eyes, art, hearts, ears, uh, too many tongue twisters. Hey, Genix, you going off.